continuing on, just talking about some of the study that's come out of, of looking at our, our um, statement of faith that, that the elders and I have been going through. And, and I, I wrestled a little bit with whether to start by, by talking a little bit about who God is, or which would normally be the way that I, w- I would go, or to talk about who we are. And, and for the sake of understanding the gospel, I'm going to cover a little bit about who we are and, and also who we are in, in ministry as a church over the next few weeks. I want to start here with, um, with Romans 5. So if you're following along, I'm going to read Romans 5, 12 to 21. So again, that's, that's Romans 5, 12 to 21. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin, indeed, was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift given, uh, the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteous through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your grace is sufficient. Help us to step back and, and say that in the midst of those times where where we neglect that doctrine, <clears throat> that belief. Help us to step back and remember your grace is sufficient. In fact, it is more than sufficient. It is undeserved. It is unmerited. And yet, because of you, not because of us, we have eternal life. That while we were still sinners, you showed your love for us and gave us your Son to die on the cross for us. We know this through your word, that you've spoken your love for us from beginning into eternity. Father, let the words that I speak be tested by this word, moved by your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, anybody like me to read that passage again? <laughs> I had a, 
uh, professor in seminary. And we had this, um, this room and, and the room was, was in this really, really old castle-y part of the, the school. And, and, um, so it's this big old kind of stone room and all around it is chalkboards, like everywhere. And we would come into that room and every single inch of that chalkboard was filled, um, when we'd come in for this professor's class. And he expected us to take notes on everything around that room. So a good six, seven chalkboards all around the room. I think if Paul were to be a, a professor or a teacher, it would be like that. Um, this is not an easy passage to get through. This is not an easy passage to understand. So I'm, I'm hoping to break this down a little bit. Again, we're, we're talking about who is man. And, and you really can't take Romans 5 without Romans 6, 7, and, and 8 in fact, the whole book. Um, but we're going to break this down a little bit. This this first couple of verses here. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. So, of course, we know where sin comes from. You know, I was I was explaining this to um, to one of our kids the other day that that um, when we read the the little kids Bible stories, right? There's there's one tree in the middle of the garden, and and that tree is is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the the tree that God said don't eat from that tree. In fact, the real Genesis account says there's actually two trees in the middle of the garden. There's that tree, and there's also the tree of life. God didn't say don't eat of the tree of life. He said, don't eat of the tree of, of knowledge of, of good and evil, for you will surely die. So guess which tree they picked? <laughs> guess which tree they hung out underneath? Not the tree of life that they had free access to, but the tree that would bring them death. If we think that that's foreign from us today, we need a bit more self-reflection. So, of course, the snake, he deceived Eve into eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree that would lead to death. And he deceived her by saying, you know what, God didn't really say you would die, did he? I mean, he's not that harsh. Like, he's going to be okay with it. And he said, in fact, God only said that because if you eat of this, you can be like God. And there is, is the root of our sin that desire to be to be separate from God, to, to not have to worry about God's standards, but to live a life for ourselves, by ourselves, through ourselves, for our own glory. And it didn't take much for the serpent to deceive Eve by saying, look, you can be like God if you eat this. And so she did. And then we jump all the way to, to Romans 6.23. We read the, the rest of, of Scripture and we can see the result of that sin. Romans 6.23, we get this truth that the wages of sin is death. God said that from the very beginning. See, sin corrupted everything. Sin didn't just corrupt Adam and Eve. Sin entered into the world, according to our text today. Sin affected everything. And even right away, God had to kill an animal <clears throat> so that Adam and Eve could be closed. So already we had death. There was death where, where before there wasn't. There was sin and it was everywhere. 
Verse 13, for sin indeed was in the world. Notice it says here, sin entered the world, not just Adam and Eve. But at this point, there wasn't a a law. the, The Ten Commandments hadn't been given. So people didn't know they were sinning, right? Like if you're speeding and you're going 100 in a 60 zone, but there are no signs to tell you what the speed limit is, well, you can't be held liable for that. And I know that's that's something that we all use to, to kind of get out of the tickets to say, I didn't see the sign, so therefore I'm, I'm, I'm innocent. So, so the question then becomes, well, if they didn't know they were sinning and they were okay because there was no law, why not just not have a law? Like, if God didn't like sin, but he knew we're all going to sin, why have the law at all? And I've heard this question from people before. Why couldn't he just say, look, I know you're all going to sin. No worries. It's all good. I forgive you. I know you can't do it. Paul addresses this. Jump forward to Romans 7. He says, what shall we say? That the law then is sin? By no means. If it had not been for the law, I would not know sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. And this sounds like a terrible thing. But we go on. Paul Paul goes on. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might might be sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am sold under the flesh, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want to do, but everything I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to, I agree with the law that the law is good. So now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. This is probably one of the most honest statements of of Paul. And, And I know... I know I certainly can relate to this. But but he ends this by saying, oh, what a wretched man am I. Who shall save me? So we get all this stuff, and, and it's really confusing, but then we get this hope. Why is it, 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 it necessary for Paul to die in his sin? So that he gets to that point where he says, oh, what a wretched man am I. I'm dead in my sin. Who will save me? And he says, Thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so again, this is a confusing part of Scripture, but Paul is addressing this whole issue. If God knew we're so sinful that we can't abide by the law, why did he create the law at all? I mean, Paul even says that if it weren't for the law, he would not have known what coveting was. So surely God would have just said, you know, don't worry about what coveting is. I know you're going to do it. All good. We often take the law the wrong way. We see the law as a guidebook. I want to I want to challenge you to see the law as a mirror. Not a mirror to reflect other people, but 
a mirror to reflect yourself. When we look at the law, and we look at ourselves through the law, what does it reflect back, right? Like, we love to use the Ten Commandments and all of the laws of the Bible to judge other people. But let's look at ourselves. Let's take the law and see ourselves in the mirror of the law. How do we look? Do not covet means don't get jealous of what other people have, right? Do not give false testimony, which covers lying and and gossiping. Do not commit adultery. Remember Jesus said even being even looking at somebody with lust who's not your spouse is adultery in your heart. Do not commit murder. Jesus says if you call somebody a fool, you've committed murder in your heart. So this is the law. Now let's look at ourselves as if the law is a mirror. How's that reflection looking? Not so good. You can be the most pious church-going, church-raised, Christian-radio-listening, TV-avoiding, tithing, self-righteous person in the world and still not look good in that mirror. That's the point. The point isn't to get you to, to look at the law with pride and say, oh, that list of rules, I can, I can do that. I will be successful. I can earn my way into heaven because that, that, that's easy. I'm strong enough. I'm good enough. Hey, I can do that. I'm so good. I'm so pious. I can do all of the law to earn my way. Remember, remember Jesus is approached by the rich young ruler and, and, and he says, how can I get into heaven? And Jesus says, well, have you obeyed all the commandments? And he says, yes, from birth. But remember, Jesus just said, the man started that conversation by saying, good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good but the Father. And then here the man says, yeah, but I'm good too. And quickly, he realized he wasn't. That mirror lets us see ourselves as we are. The point isn't to look on it with pride, but the point is that it convicts us to show us that when we look in the mirror, we don't look so good. So we can see that mirror and say, I'm, I'm sick. You know, I don't look right. I'm broken. I need help. I need a savior. And again, the law isn't so we go to it and say, I can do this myself. It's, it's to convict us to say, I can't do this. And I need a savior. Verse 14, yet death, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who were sinning, it was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. Still complicated. Saying, even if you don't do the same, same sin as Adam, this sin has, has infected each one of us. We're all sinners. Because sin is in all of creation. David understood this. He says in Psalm 51, now, now remember who this is. This is David, the guy who was chosen to be king of Israel. The guy who was, it was, it was said of him that he's a man after God's own heart. But here's David looking in this mirror. And he says, surely I was sinful from birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. See, that's what David saw in that mirror. Paul understood this. Ephesians 2.3 And remember Paul, he says, look, if anybody's got room to boast, it's me. I've done all the traditions, he said. I've, I've, I've studied under the, under the best teachers. He says, I'm a Hebrew among Hebrews. So that means he's, he's, he's 
He's obeyed the law. He's a, he's a Pharisee. But then Paul says, when looking in the mirror, he says, among whom we all once lived, all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. See, here's Paul's calling himself a, a wretched man back in verse 7 in, in Romans. And here he's saying, look, by our very nature, we are children of wrath. We deserve God's wrath. You see, when we look in that mirror of the law, we see ourselves and, and we're pale and, and weak in the law and sick and we see ourselves only on the surface. But there's symptoms on that surface. And those symptoms point to a sickness and a cancer that isn't just on the outside. It resides deep within us. You see, our sins aren't the result of simply our actions. If they were the result of just our actions, it would be easy to change that, wouldn't it? We could just change our actions. Instead, they're a symptom, as we read in Jeremiah, of a deceitful heart. A deceitful and broken heart. We can't change our actions without our heart being changed. And even if we do, it doesn't get rid of the core problem. The sin that infects every part of us. No. We need a savior. In fact, we need the one who, by whom we were created. Remember in John 1, it says that, that Jesus, through him, all things were created. So we need the one through whom we were created to make us new again to make us whole, to hear and uh, change our heart, to cleanse our heart. In fact, what I just read from David in, in, in Psalm 51, you know, David said, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, but he didn't leave it there. He understood that it wasn't just his actions. He understood that it wasn't just his thoughts, but that it was his very heart. And so he, he then goes on to say, create in me, a new heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. David's saying, look, I don't just need to change what I do. I need to change my heart and I can't fix my heart by myself. David saw in this mirror and he didn't say, yeah, I look good. No, he saw himself and he says, I've got a problem. And he cried out to God. He said, create in me a clean heart. Because what he saw in that mirror was the filth and the corrupt and the fallen. I mean, he talks about, in, in the Psalms, he about, talks about being stuck in this pit, in the mire, and how it was only God who could lift him up. But he looks in that mirror and he's covered in the mud from that pit. David, the man after God's own heart, we look in the mirror and we see our sickness and our need for a Savior. You know, I've spoken this message to both Christians and non-Christians. And the group that, that, that often seems to push against this Christian, uh, this message is Christians. Non-Christians are quite willing to admit, yeah, hey, I break the Ten Commandments, so what of it? You know? But Christians, and, and not that they disagree with the message, but we have this tendency 
to try to take the mirror of the law and reflect it on everybody else except ourselves. And the mirror becomes very ineffective when it's used that way. Like uh, to take the mirror of the law and shine it on liberals and humanists and, and, and Muslims. I mean, you've heard that all before. And besides, when I, when I get up here to preach, I don't have humanists and, and, and Muslims and atheists standing before me. I have church-going, professing Christians. So we've got to take that law, that mirror, shine it on ourselves. Because if we start using the mirror on ourselves, it means we have to stop condemning and, and, and judging those around us and, and start moving so that they can see for themselves in that mirror. Because even as Christians, when we look in that mirror, we're still going to be saying, I'm not there yet. I can see that I'm being transformed, but, but I still need a Savior. And He's given it to us. See, that's the next part. I, I, I mentioned to you Romans 6 before. The wages of sin is death. I could leave it there. But that's not the end of the verse. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. So so we don't just look in the mirror and say, well, I'm done for. I can see the cancer. I can I can I can see the 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 filth. I can see the sickness. Uh, there's no hope for me. No. We turn around and and we know there's a savior. He's given it to us for free. First, we are convicted by looking in that mirror. And that convicted conviction says, i got to do something. You know, Paul does this in Acts 2, right? He's talking to um, to the crowd that's that's there. And, and, and we often get caught up on the, on the speaking in tongues in different languages. And, but, but what we really need to focus on, not Paul, sorry, Peter. He, his message, he's saying to, to the people there, you killed Jesus. And he's being very convicting. He's taking the law and he's, he's saying, look at yourself. And you know what their response is in the end? You're right. What should we do? We need help. And he tells them about Jesus. So when we look in that mirror, it causes conviction and a desire to move, a desire to be changed, to see a need to be different. So we turn, which is what it means to repent, and we cry out to Jesus, Lord, I need you. Create in me a clean heart. And he gives us this gift of grace. Even while we were still filthy in that mirror. While we were still sinners. See, we can't understand the gift without first understanding our need of the gift. And this mirror, the law, allows us to see the need for that gift. To see our need for a Savior. If we go at this and we say, well, you know, I can, I can be saved by what I do. I'm, I'm strong enough. I can, I can just choose to, to obey the law. I, I, I can do it by my own strength. I just gotta go to church more, right? I gotta, I gotta listen to the right music. I gotta be around the right people. I gotta dress the right way and, and, and avoid these things and that thing. I can do this all on my own. But the mirror helps us to see that we can't. 
that we need a Savior. Finally, we have this text, but uh, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more has the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. So yeah, there's sin. And we're condemned by by our sin. But he's given us the free gift of life. Notice the difference in 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 here and and in Romans six as well. The, the the language, the wages of sin is death. What do you what is a wage? A wage is something you work for. But the free gift is life. We don't work for a free gift. A free gift is given freely, not because of us, but because of the one who gives it. You know, you ever had one of those experiences and Maybe, ladies, I'm, I'm guessing this has happened to you more than the fellows here, but you're sitting across from somebody and, and there's something stuck in their teeth. And you try to tell them, and you say, oh, it's just, just to your left a little bit more, just, to, just a little more to the right, and, and they can never get it. So they end up having to go to the mirror to look for themselves. Right? Ladies, if you've got one of those makeup clamshell-looking things with the mirror in it, I don't know what that's called, but um, you know, you open it up for them. So they can see the problem. But they can't see that problem until they can look in the mirror for themselves. So, the, so you know, the main takeaway from this is that we need Jesus. We look at the law and we see that we need a Savior. But then this also affects how we treat each other. If we go out and we say, hey, you know what? You are a lawbreaker. You need to change. But we don't offer them that mirror to look at themselves. It's not going to matter. They're going to constantly be trying to find it with no direction. So we stop using the law as a reason to condemn or to gossip or to slander. Instead, it's a reason to get out there and share it with those who don't know it. That they can die to their sin and see their need for a Savior. See, this truth is a great leveler. It's humbling, it's convicting, and that's okay. Because what is given to us freely is far greater than anything we could give to ourselves or work for for ourselves. But when we look in that mirror, and I want to challenge you to to go to the Word, go to the law, and, and study and, and when we understand the depths of our sin, we understand the depths of His grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, who are we that You are mindful of us? Those of us who fall short of Your glory. Those of us, when we, when we look at your, your law, your, your perfect plan for us, we realize how far we've strayed. And Father, 
we can come and look at ourselves honestly with conviction and say, Lord, I need you. I need a Savior. I need you to pull me up from from this pit that I've gotten into, this sin. And it's when when we look at ourselves and have that conviction that you lift us up. Father, we thank you for this. Humble us, convict us where we need conviction. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.